The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the fifth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. And let us pray. Gracious God, send forth your spirit by the power of your word to create faith, to forgive sin, and to grow our love for you and for one another. Amen. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. We're not a people who mourn very well. Grief and, and death, trauma and tragedy, uh, we, we tend to see them as events that, that come to us in life, that we're supposed to overcome, that we're supposed to outlive, that, that we're supposed to cast aside, a past we're supposed to reject. And, and, and with that, then, we find ourselves doing things like tiptoeing past the graveyard, which is part of the reason why I love doing our youth scavenger hunt at the cemetery. Uh, I've done it a few times before, but it, but it causes the youth to ha actually have to go and spend time in a cemetery where, where at their age, it, it may be quite a few decades before they're ever back there again. And part of that is because we don't want to talk about it. We want to leave the cemetery where it is. We leave it there and we only go to it if we need to or we're forced to. Because we don't like to deal with grief. We don't like to deal with loss. We don't like to deal with tragedy because it reminds us of the pains of life. I remember at a family funeral of a very dear family member of ours, another member of our family, younger, bawling her eyes out in grief, and another relative basically told her, oh, stop crying. As though, number one, she's going to stop crying, but number two, that crying at a funeral is something we're supposed to avoid, something that we're not supposed to do, that we're supposed to hold things together and just be stalwart. I wonder if this could be the reason why this, this desire to avoid grief, to avoid loss, to avoid trauma is the reason why all of this trauma around COVID, all this tragedy, all this loss that we're experiencing almost every single day hits us so hard and we don't know what to do with it. We don't know what to do with it. We don't want to talk about it as the fact that, that during these last seven months, it's been regular loss after loss for everything from jobs to family members to quote-unquote freedoms, whatever it might be. But even on top of all that loss, like everyone else who goes through a tragedy, 
we still have to live life. We have mortgages to pay and other bills. We have gas to put in our cars. We have schoolwork to do, regular work to do, meals to prepare, kids to parent, other funerals to go to of folks that don't die of COVID. In other words, we have mourning on top of mourning on top of mourning. Well, Nora, uh, Nora McInerney, she's an author, a blogger, a speaker. She hosts a podcast called Terrible Thanks for Asking. I'm guessing she's not Scandinavian. Well, she was at a TED Talk back in 2018, and, and she gave a talk about what it is that she does as a living now in talking about grief and loss, helping us put names to it, voice it. And, and she started out this way. So 2014 was a big year for me. Do you ever have that? Just like a big year, like a banner year. For me, it went like this. October 3rd, I lost my second pregnancy. Then October 8th, my dad died of cancer. And then on November 25th, my husband Aaron died after three years with stage four glioblastoma, which is just a fancy word for brain cancer. So I'm fun. Then she adds, usually when I talk about this period of my life, the reaction I get is essentially, I can't imagine. She goes on to say, but I do think you can. I think you can, and I think you should, because someday it's going to happen to you, she says. Maybe not these specific losses in this specific order or at this speed, but like I said, I'm very fun, and the research that I've seen will stun you. Everyone you love has a 100% chance of dying. Well, that's uplifting on this All Saints Sunday. But she describes her vocation as trying to do what I can to make more people comfortable with the uncomfortable. And grief is so uncomfortable, she says. She goes on to talk about her, her husband, Aaron, who died, who she lost, and then her current husband, Matthew, uh, that, that they're happy. Uh, they have a wonderful blended family, a minivan, a rescue dog. But she hates how we handle grief. Even in the midst of all this happiness that she has, she still struggles. And, and she can't stand some of the advice we give to each other. The one she hates the most is move on. And so she says, life is really, really good. But I haven't moved on. Talking about the loss of her husband, Aaron. I haven't moved on, and I hate that phrase so much, and I understand why other people do, because what it says is that Aaron's life and death and love are just moments that I can leave behind me and that I probably should. Here, he's present for me in the work that I do, in the child that we had together, in these three other children I'm raising who never met him, who share none of his DNA, but who are only in my life because I had Aaron and because I lost Aaron, she says. He's present in my marriage to Matthew because Aaron's life and love and death made me the person that Matthew wanted to marry. So I've not moved on from Aaron. I've moved forward with him. Grief and mourning. They're just another piece of, of the jigsaw puzzle of our life that, that exists and lives there in us. And, and all the work we do to hide it, fight it, uh, leave it alone, will only harm us even more than the grief itself. Where Nora says that these traumas, this grief and mourning, are the experiences that mark us and make us just as much as the joyful ones do. And she finally says that grief is not a moment in time. It's not a bone that will reset. But that you've been touched by something chronic, something incurable. It's not fatal, but sometimes grief 
feels like it could be. Which I do wonder if that's why we try to avoid it. And yet Christ here doesn't avoid it. He says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And he wants to be there in that moment, in that statement to you this morning. In part because it is All Saints Sunday. It's a time in which we remember those we've loved and that we've lost. And we, and we are given these readings, such as our Revelation 1, which tells us all those people that are sleeping right now at Evergreen Hill Cemetery, because that's what cemetery means, sleeping place. They're waiting for that moment of that marriage feast of the Lamb, where they are all gathered around that throne in praise, telling us that it is a whole host of so many that we cannot even number them. And that's the promises that come to us right now, this morning, from Christ to you. In the, in the readings that we have, and specifically in the Beatitudes, these, this, this place that, that we normally come to, and we see it as virtues, we see it as values, we see it as things that we're supposed to aspire to, rather than declarations to you by Christ this morning, in your ears, for you to hear, as promises. Because you see, the blesseds here are always in the present tense. And they're descriptive in ways we can't even imagine. It tells you, those of you who are poor in spirit right now, beggarly, lacking everything that you possibly think could make you you, not even having the faith you need to trust that God is true or that he even exists. Well, he says you're blessed right now, in this very moment as you hear me. Or the mourning ones, the ones who are grieving, the ones who are sad, you're blessed. He declares that to you when you feel not so blessed. The meek, the humble ones, the ones that get run over, the, the doormats, the ones not being overly impressed by any sense of one's self-importance, he says, you're blessed. Those who are starving and thirsting for righteousness, for justice, for, for all the goodness that we wish we had that we do not have, Christ says, you're blessed. The merciful ones, the pure in heart, the makers of peace, all blessed, 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 he says. Even the persecuted ones. Yeah, really. The persecuted ones are blessed, stand as blessed right now in Christ. You are blessed when people curse you on account of Christ. Wow. Blessed when you are cursed. And I repeat, these are all in the present tense, which means right now as you hear them, they are given to you as gift by Christ. And tomorrow morning when you wake up and you, and you want to doubt whether these promises are true, well, they will be true then too because they will speak to you in that moment as the present, not the past or the future, but now for you. Because time moves forward and so does Jesus with you. And the blessings come with their reasons, with their because statements, with what our Bibles often translate as for, but it's just a word that says because, and it wants to tell you the reasons why you are blessed. And, and three of them are in the present tense, and they have the most power to them, telling you that, well, you're, you're poor in spirit. Well, you are being persecuted for righteousness. Well, you have a kingdom right now. It's yours. It stands as yours. The blessings are in the present, and the kingdom is now yours, even when you feel like it does not exist. And then he tells you that even when you're cursed, you have to rejoice because your reward is great. It is great, he says, right now. 
coming to you when you feel you have nothing but actually have everything in God, in Christ, even on your worst day. The others are in the future tense, but they're always promises. And they're always telling you, you are blessed because you shall. Telling you that it will happen in the future. You shall inherit the earth. You shall be satisfied and filled. You shall receive mercy. You shall see God. You shall be called children of God. And the one we have before us in the verse I've highlighted, you shall be comforted telling you that you are blessed because in your mourning it shall come in ways you may not see that comfort shall come to you. Even now in the midst of COVID-19, the masks, the hand sanitizer, the, the distance, the, the, the loss of family relations reminds us of this thing that just won't go away. This burden, this mourning, this hardship, it's that skunk smell that won't come out in the wash. But it's why we need these promises. It's why we need to be told, well, you are blessed and you shall have, and it will be true. I think also it's the reason why we need cemeteries, we need columbariums. I, I actually have this, this hypothesis, hypothesis that, I, that I think... The church has lost something by not having a, a churchyard, a graveyard surrounding the church building because that, that churchyard, that graveyard would be a space to remind us of the necessity of these promises. Remind us of the fact that the resurrection is our hope, our joy, our crown, that we will be standing with that multitude before the throne. It can be a space, a, a reminder of grief, a reminder of loss, a reminder of, of death, but it also is that reminder that Christ says, well, you sleep and I will come and awaken you. Well, he grants us that promise. He grants us that comfort. He says it will come. That there's no erasure of grief. There's no moving on from it, as Nora says, but a promise of God when we feel at our worst and it moves forward with us from day to day. So you are blessed in Christ now, right now, in this moment. And you always will have it as a blessing, even if you don't think you do. He tells you, even in your poverty, poverty of spirit, you are rich in him. You are comforted. You have an inheritance because he's written you into the will. You have a righteousness, a goodness that you wish you had because he gifts it to you of himself. You have mercy. You have purity of heart. You've been made into a peacemaker because God has been made at peace with you. And you have a kingdom and you have a reward because Christ has given it to you and it cannot be revoked. So you are the blessed ones, church. You are joined with the saints that we remember today, those that, that like I said, that we've loved and lost, who now know that these promises are true. And we should... Be jealous of them in some way. But they see Christ clearly now, and we still have to wait. But we wait rejoicing and mourning, both at the same time, knowing that we will have losses in this life, but the promises tell us that good news is to come, and it is here for us now. So go ahead and mourn. Go ahead and grieve. Be sad. Weep. 
but also rejoice because this word comes to you from Christ and it is true that you are the blessed ones and you will be with him in paradise. Thanks be to God. Amen.